Welcome to the Preacher Podcast. We are thinking about the third Sunday of Easter today as we continue our series called Resurrection Reality. Of course, you can find out more about the series and all the related resources on wellscongregationalservices.net. Look for The Foundation and then search for this series. We are thinking about Easter 3 in year B, and uh, John Bergman is with us today from Downers Grove, Illinois, uh, as well as Ben Tomzak from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. John, let's start with you. If you could give us a quick summary of this theme in the series for the third Sunday of Easter. Yes, this amazing reality of the resurrection is to be preached to all nations, and in Jesus' name, the forgiveness of sins too. And that is the most meaningful message, obviously, that the world can hear. Very appropriate for these times. There are so many meaningless messages that we hear all around us, bombarding us every day, selling us this or selling us that. You can go on YouTube. I don't suggest this, but you can go on YouTube and watch 10 hours of like a looped video of a cat, you know, hitting a ball of yarn. Just meaningless stuff is going on in a world around us and people are looking for meaning. We have something that's not just a little pick-me-up, a motto or a slogan or a meme. We have the most meaningful message that we could ever proclaim and share, that we have the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. He purifies us from all our unrighteousness, and then we can share that with every single person in the entire world. Wow, what a meaning that gives to our lives now and always. Thank you for that, John. Uh, ben, could you summarize for us the gospel of the day and also the first reading. And then after that, we'll get into the second reading in, in our sermon text discussion. But a little bit about the gospel and the Acts reading today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity again. In, in the gospel, we, we get to be on Easter evening again. It's it's immediately after Jesus appears to the Emmaus disciples. And, and, and uh, John laid out that idea of something meaningful and 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 peculiar. and and another another kind of meaningful we want to compare this to is is kind of platitudes things we just say um and, and maybe we think we mean them uh, and maybe we even do mean them but they're so overused or they're so empty or, or people hear them as meaningless and, and we're going to watch jesus just give real things to people and, and it starts with those amazed disciples who didn't run into the room and just say to the other disciples, hey, everything's going to be okay, which is one of our great platitudes in life. Right? They said the Lord is risen, um, which we see is something all the disciples are, are struggling with. And then Christ appears for reason. He says, it is true, I am risen. Again, he doesn't say it's okay. Message again. But that didn't solve all their problems. They, they still aren't quite sure. In fact, they're terrified, the gospel says. And, and Jesus, again, doesn't resort to the head-patting platitude of, it's okay, it's okay. He says, no, touch me. He does for them what he'll do for Thomas. So maybe we, as we talked about, I think, last week, we could lay off Thomas a little bit when we when we uh, mock him and, and impugn his integrity so much, because the other disciples did the same thing on Easter evening. And, and Jesus gives it to him. Again, he doesn't say, buck up, give it time. He says, touch me. And then... Give me something to eat. He keeps pouring onto them real tangible things, words he can speak, his flesh, him eating. And that's when he says, everything I told you, everything the Bible told you, it's happened. It's real. 
and then their minds were blown and they were blown because Jesus opened them to see the scriptures as really real and really fulfilled. And then Jesus says, you're really going to preach and people are really going to be cut to the heart. And then you're really going to forgive them. You're really going to take away their sins all around the world. And then in our lesson from Acts, we kind of see Peter put that into action. I shouldn't say kind of. We do see Peter put into action. And and John, who we'll hear from in, in the gospel, in, in our second lesson, he's right there too. He's he's experiencing and doing these things. In, in Acts chapter 3, a beggar gets to walk again, which to us seems like a real enough thing. But I, I wonder how often we wonder if this beggar, kind of like Lazarus who came back from the dead, they both had their bodies fall apart again. He lost the use of those limbs again later in life, if only by old age. And so Peter uses this as a launching pad, just kind of just like Jesus did in John 6. The crowds saw miracle food and they wanted more. And now the crowds see a, a miracle, a healing, and someone's walking, and they're probably thinking the same thing. Let's do more of this. And Peter says, God's getting your attention for something more real. And oh, by the way, it's the God you killed. You handed him over. You disowned him and forced Pilate's hand. You killed the author of life. He gets it really real for these guys. He doesn't talk in platitudes. He doesn't talk in abstractions. He talks about real actions that they carried out. And then he says a real thing Jesus did. God raised him from the dead. You think this guy walking is something else? How about this miracle that means death is done and gone? And so just like the crowds wanted more bread and Jesus said, how about the bread of life? Peter says, how about Jesus? He had to suffer for real. Because the scripture said so. You didn't have to kill him. You did. So repent. And God wants nothing more than that. He wants to wipe out your sins for real. He wants to refresh you. He wants you to have this Jesus you killed, but he rose from the dead. You saw that God make a man walk. Can you imagine what else he might be able to do? Thank you. Yeah. So it just uh, opens up the possibilities here in Acts 3. And we'll hear about John reflecting uh, on how he's seen those play out right through the the intervening years as we hear him in first John. Um, let's go to that then the second reading for the day, which is suggested as our sermon text. first uh, John chapter one, starting with verse five and going through chapter two, verse two, some well-known verses. John, could you get us started in thinking about these verses and uh, and some things for preachers to consider as they put together a sermon? Yes. So John says, this is the message we have heard, and we've seen John hearing that in our other readings, as Benjamin uh, well summarized. So John was there uh, with the other disciples when Jesus appears to him. John was there with Peter to see the light and power of God help a, a cripple, and now John is testifying again. So John ties all of this together, and there are a lot of amazing passages that we memorize from these verses here or our thoughts that we expose. And so these verses are going to give us encouragement both to know that we are in light, that we are in fellowship with God, and then they're also going to summarize the very message that we are going to proclaim with the dark world around us. And that theme of light and darkness is touched off right away in verse 5, where God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. And we don't want to go maybe too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, for some of you who have been to Israel, perhaps you've been to the Shrine of the Book in Jerusalem, where the first seven scrolls discovered at Qumran are, are displayed. It's really unique. There's a, a, a white dome and then a black wall. That's kind of the design of, of the building that they're in. 
And it alludes to this teaching that the Essenes would often talk about that there was going to be this great battle at the end of the world between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. So light and dark. Again, we don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. You can speculate. Did John have contact with John the Baptist who had contact with the Essenes? That, that's not the point of the sermon. But the, the point is this idea of light versus dark, good versus evil. It was there 2,000 years ago, but it's there in our world today. And I think one way to draw our, our listeners into this concept is just asking them, does the world seem like a dark place? You let that question hang, and, and I think people are drawn in. Yeah, we feel like we are in the dark, and we need meaningful answers to that darkness and meaningful hope. And obviously, in these verses, John is going to give us one after another real meaningful reasons to have hope now and forever in him. So maybe just a few thoughts to get our uh, get us going on this text. Yeah, thank you. Uh, ben, would you like to pick up there, um, just at your reflections on this text? When, yeah, obviously that light and dark is is where John starts. And it's one of really four images I think we get for God. We get God the cleanser, God the advocate, and God the sacrifice too. So good luck picking how you're going to zero in on something. But uh, the meaningful thing I think that John really wants to get into isn't just, and and, uh, and I'm not disagreeing with, with John's assessment, it isn't just the world is dark. He's really telling us we're dark. Um, he is very much concerned that we realize that that we have problems. It, it comes in these um, these if statements that are coming up, uh, these conditional statements, and that word claim, the way the NIV translates, if you claim, but really it just says if you say, if you were to say this, that, or the other thing. And the thing, John, the reality John is concerned about is sin. 27 times in, in this letter, he uses the word sin, which is a word that our world uh, doesn't really like. We, we aren't in the Enlightenment anymore, but we're creatures of the Enlightenment. And one of the things... But I think we think we have come out of as we've emerged from that that period of of religion running the world and, and the divine right of kings in that that pre-modern era uh, is that we've also moved past this idea of sin. Um, as a society, we think we've transcended sin. Uh, you know, look at look at the way we celebrate it in, in various ways, uh, not just in our lives but in our culture. And John is trying trying to say, no, um, you have something that needs atoning. That's for real. And the church of the resurrected Lord isn't a loosey-goosey place. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. I'm writing to you so that you don't sin. Um, he, he's setting the bar so high so that we don't think all this good news about Jesus, uh, Jesus the light, Jesus the cleanser, Jesus the advocate, Jesus the sacrifice, isn't just a, a license to sin with impunity. Um, and so he's going he's gonna to hit us hard with those words. If you say, if you say, if you say, if you claim, um, so that perhaps we'll learn the lesson Adam didn't. All God wants of us is confession so that so that he can forgive because he is faithful and righteous. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the several powerful images uh, here in this text, and, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but as preachers think about preaching on this text, that might be one avenue uh, to, to think about um, just in the different sections of your sermon, focusing on one of these key images, you know, light versus darkness, or uh, the purification um, that God provides from sin, and then, yeah, the advocate, and then the uh, the atoning sacrifice uh, in 2 verse 2. 
uh, maybe tying them all together with, you know, here is the message we believe, here is the message we share, something like that. But um, that just a thought that occurred to me as I looked at this text. And yeah, right. How do you deal with all these powerful images? That might be one way to do it. Spend a little bit of time on each and kind of link them together. Uh, but before we get get too far down that road, uh, John, back to you. Any further thoughts, just kind of uh, how you would bring out, um, and you hinted at this in your earlier comments, but uh, law and gospel in this text, I mean, it, of all, this is pretty clear, right? I mean, of all the, the texts in Scripture, clear law and gospel come through. But any thoughts that might be useful to preachers as you think about law and gospel themes here? Sure. Yeah. And you guys are hitting on it. The, the passages themselves, the verses themselves are very clear law and gospel. We can pick them out, but how, how do we weave it together in a coherent sermon? So I, good suggestions, maybe think ahead, which illustrations am I using? How am I going to do that? One way that I have approached it uh, with the darkness theme is, yeah, I, I, I began with that introductory thought that I mentioned before to my listeners, is the world a dark place? And everyone agrees. And they start to think of all the examples of darkness that they see in the world around them. But then to, to completely agree with what Ben was kind of going towards, I don't stop there. Then I say, but when we start to dig down deeper, you know what, what's really disturbing? There's a lot of that darkness in my own heart, in my own mind. And then you just ask that question. What goes through your heart, your mind, or is on the record of your life that you would never want to be exposed, that you would want no one else in this place to know, much less a holy God, or something like that? You start to dig down deep, and then I start to say, yeah, dear goodness, and could any of us claim that there is nothing dark, sinful, uh, awful in our lives? Well, well no, of course. We, we all want to hide things. We, we, all, we don't want to be exposed. And by the way, you can see that in the world around us too. Even for people who don't want to go to church, they still know there's something wrong, profoundly wrong deep down inside. So that could be one avenue to try to dig down in that a, a little bit more and say, well, I need purification for the darkness of my own heart. Um, and, and I don't think we'd Maybe you don't need to go through, obviously, a list of all the different examples of darkness that could be in your heart, but that just, we know it. We know it when you start to reflect upon that. And uh, that separates us from God. And we need a real answer to that. And of course, that sets you up to the gospel. But that, that's one way of some law preaching and try to weave into this subject that John goes through, because it is a challenge because John kind of works in circles throughout his thoughts. <laughs> so right. blessings and, and love to hear from you guys too, how you break it down a little more. Right. Ben, uh, thoughts on that or more? You mentioned some uh, thoughts regarding preaching the law from this text already. Anything further on that or, or just uh, proceeding from there? When I when I was trying to put this together, like we said, into one thing, following John's way of doing stuff, just that idea of confession came came out so so much, and I thought of how our our Lutheran confessions say we keep confession for the sake of the absolution, mm -hmm. which one hundred percent agrees with with Saint John here. Um, and we got the platitude: confession is good for the soul. So maybe you want to think about why don't we confess or. How do we deal with sin normally? And we tend to solve sin by ignoring it, or we put it into a box and kind of. He's really saying, why would you do that? Because God has a solution, and it's a really real solution. Um, you don't have to 
you know, fill yourself up with the hubris, that word claim and say, that's just so hubristic, like you're above sin somehow. He says, no, don't put yourself above sin. Um, it, you you want to have some sort of fellowship with God. That's interesting. There's no article on that. You're claiming some sort of relationship with God, and yet the darkness is here. Just confess that. And then he's showing us the real solution that God has, um, the blood of his son, a real human being's blood, uh, a real real attorney standing in a real courtroom, standing before God, speaking words, an actual sacrifice that cancels guilt. He's really doing these things. And God really wants to hear us own up to our sins. And he really wants to say, I've got this solution that's not just for you, but for the whole world. Um, an atoning sacrifice for sins for the whole world. He uses that, that I always call it the big butt, the Allah. Not only for ours, but for the world. And then he's he's just exploding every idea we have about sin and grace, that it's maybe limited, that it's maybe just for the super righteous, that maybe it's just for Jews or maybe just for Lutherans. But for the world, this blood cleanses you. So I, I've been, I was seeing a lot about confession, absolution, and, and either that word claim or, or he talks about lying. So maybe thinking of the idea, you've just been lying to yourself and God wants to tell you some truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, and maybe I can put in a plug here uh, of sorts, but you recognize these words, hopefully from, if you've been using the, the Christian Worship 2021 uh, hymnal, uh, the basic confession of sins in each of the three main service settings begins with 1 John 1, 8 and 9, and then in the absolution form uh, on the bottom of the, the first page of each of those services, you get an, a reference to uh, 1 John 2.2, 2, uh, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. So it might be something worth pointing out. It may be obvious to people, but it might not be, as, as sometimes we find out as pastors, things we think uh, are right in front of our eyes. Uh, all you need to do is just make that connection a little bit clearer for people and um, they have a little aha moment or connect two things they hadn't seen the connection between before. Um, but uh, can we talk a little bit about, um, uh, we've talked about the law, about the gospel, um, How and I think in our introductory comments or uh John, you mentioned how you kind of approached the beginning to this sermon, having people consider the darkness in the world and then moving on to the darkness within us. Ben, you've highlighted that. Um, what about kind of application thoughts uh, that you included in your sermon here beyond those um, so that we don't think about these truths simply as um, abstractions, but as realities, as Ben has been emphasizing. One, I think, is is to point out the usefulness of confession and absolution. Here's a real thing, real words, where God is really coming to us. Um, anything further it, along the lines of kind of connecting these things to right where people are at? Uh, John? Yeah, sure. I mean, it just as you continue to unpack those gospel pictures there that we are pure, uh, we're, we're purified by blood, um, but we, we want to be pure. We have light and, and you just build up that, but then, okay, now what about this? It, it He reminds us in verse two, he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours. And, and I hear I hear encouragement there. Remember, this isn't just for you and your little group or your little clique of confessional Lutherans sitting in some church somewhere. This is also for the sins of the whole world. And so now not only do I have light, do I have purity, do I have, you know, what, what all those gospel things that we apply personally, 
that that's certainly meaningful but now i have the most meaningful task in the world to share that with a world around me that's stumbling in darkness that feels impure that is dying and i can share that true message with them that it's not just for me it's for the for the whole world and then you can almost start to apply that so that means he's done this not only for me but for my friend, my relative, my acquaintance, my neighbor, that person on my block. You almost just start picking through some of those examples of who who is in your life that he's also done this for that needs to know about it. And kind of that encouragement then to be the meaningful messengers of this. And, and just the fact that he would send us to do that is also amazing gospel and grace too. I mean, that these uh, disciples were not dishonorably discharged from his service is kind of incredible. But that people like John and Peter and, and you and me are, are sent to do this, what grace upon grace there is too. But that, that's maybe where I'd shift it at the end, just as an idea to then say, now take this and share it because the world around you does not have this meaningful message and they desperately need to hear it too. Yeah, yeah in 1 John 2, 2, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world, I kind of hear echoes uh, from the gospel. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Um, so uh, here's John uh, echoing those thoughts that he had heard um, so many years before. Uh, ben, uh, further gospel applications or or uh, further applications in general that you would make from the text? Well, I'm glad you you, you expanded outside just gospel applications because there's one I, I thought of. Um, I didn't think of, I'm sorry. Uh, I use uh, Robertson's word pictures from the New Testament. It's one of kind mm -hmm. of my go-to exegetical things on Lebronics. And he had a, a, a neat little note. He says, John has no patience with professional perfectionists, but he has still less with loose livers, like some of the Gnostics who went to all sorts of excesses without shame. Mm -hmm. So with this text, because John's letter is always filled with, you know, Christians don't sin. You stop sinning and you could maybe end up almost in a holiness or Wesleyan uh, point of view, but he's, He's not. He's exposing both sides, as, as the scriptures always do, um, both the, the freedom, the licentiousness, and our, our scrupulosity. But it, it does show us that when when he's, when Paul pre preaches to preachers in 1 Timothy 3 of the life that's expected of a preacher, that's that's for real. That's not just idealistic. And, and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount isn't just some philosophical mumbo-jumbo. He is, he is digging into our real life. Um, of And then that word, Jesus uses the word light there in Matthew, right? Let your light shine. We have been, the light of the world is shone upon us, and we have been enlightened by the Spirit. And and he really is giving us what the Christian life looks like. So that's that's one area you could go when, when you're talking about if you claim to be without sin. Um, and then it's, it's Luther's whole thing from the large catechism that if you can't find yourself in the Ten Commandments, you haven't been thinking about them long enough. Um, so you definitely have that. On the other side, if you want something more gospel, more good news, um, you just you just have so many um, ways where John is exploding any idea of the limited atonement and any idea of God being a double predestinating God. Um, this is the holy gospel of Christ, as the formula says, in which God himself testifies that he wants all men to be saved. And he does it through Christ alone. So you could also point out there is no need for any other advocate. We don't need Mary. We don't need saints. Um, as we're going to celebrate when we think about the Augsburg Confession in the middle of June, you know, we think about um, that we have one advocate with the Father, and that was one of the things our Lutheran Lutheran fathers advocated for. And, and when all that crushes us, we go back to that atoning sacrifice. 
I looked at that word. That's a tough word, right? In First John chapter two, that helasmos. And one of the cool definitions that's given, you know, you could use propitiation or expiation, and and uh, but means of forgiveness. I thought that was a really cool definition that ties in with how we talk. And and here is the means of forgiveness: it's Christ's body, His Christ's blood, the purifying blood, and that we have access to that through the means of grace that are means of forgiveness for us as we see how short we fall and we finally come to grips with the fact that we cannot claim to be without sin. Um, we confess, which we think is such a terrible thing. I have to acknowledge my sins to someone. That makes me look so dirty and cheap and ugly and and not perfect. But but as as St. Augustine talks about, when we confess, that's actually faith. Faith confesses and God shows us his means of forgiveness and he gives it to us in a meal, in a baptism, in the word that's applied to us, whether it's through public preaching or the general absolution that you talked about or a, a private absolution uh, in the corner with our pastor. Yeah, thank you for those thoughts too. Um, speaking of propitiation, uh, here's another uh, note, uh, the hymnal connection. One of the new hymns in the hymnal has the word propitiation in it. Um, his yeah, ropes it are mine, uh, five, 568 in the hymnal. So um, propitiation has been one as part of the gospel. So if you want to spend a little couple minutes on propitiation this Sunday, um, maybe you could make a connection with that hymn just by way of saying, so what's that big word we just sang or tried to sing? Um, well, here it is in 1 John chapter 2. Um, he's the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation. Um, so I mentioned before, maybe a strategy for preaching on this text is kind of have a, a unifying thought, maybe the, the message um, that we treasure and the message that we want to share, and then highlight several of those images there. Uh, any other ways of going about this that you guys could suggest for preachers, um, kind of how to approach a text like this with so much going on? And, and as we noted before, kind of John's you know cyclical uh, approach to things where he'll hit a, a topic and then kind of circle back to it um, can be hard to do in a, a linear way. Uh, so suggestions for kind of putting together a sermon or structuring a sermon, anything, uh, John? Yeah, I'll I'll share with you how I did it in a moment. Um, just uh, with some of these verses too, for some of our people, we've heard them so often. It doesn't mean they're any less wonderful and beautiful, but it's not bad to unpack them a little bit more and just dig into those illustrations. And for, for what it's worth, maybe just a couple of illustrations that I've used on this, but uh it came across with what Ben was saying, how straightforward, clear this declaration of forgiveness is and, and, and justification here. There's there's no fine print conditions. And how many times in my life have I looked for a simple, straightforward answer to a problem? I'm excited. I think I found it. And then there's all kinds of little additions to it, you know, or it's not as easy as I thought. In college, I bought an ab roller. And I thought by doing that for five minutes a day, I'd look like the guy in the commercial. Turns out he was working out eight hours a day and he was using more than an ab roller or the timeshare that you thought would be the vacation of your dreams has all kinds of conditions attached. And in other theological systems and world religions, there's all kinds of conditions attached. God will love you if dot, dot, dot. But here, John just pierces through all of that. And that's why this message is so meaningful or, or one other thing just to think about, again, that advocate, that legal advocate that Jesus has described here. Um, in the Chicago area where I do ministry, there are endless billboards for lawyers to call when you have been injured or if you've been wronged. Every one of them seems to have a big hammer in their hands and stuff like that. I, I don't know. But um, 
people are desperate for a legal advocate. And if you could guarantee them a 100% success rate at your law firm, you'd have people lined up around the block for miles, maybe. We can guarantee a 100% success rate from our legal advocate. It is finished. It is done. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So just another touching point there of what people are looking for and, and needing. They're, they're looking for that. And and maybe even one final one, too. People are looking for purity in certain ways. How, how many different organic things can you find today? Even organic vodka, I think. I mean, come on, really? Is that how you're going to be healthy? But anyways, <laughs> here we have purity. We have a legal advocate. And we have a simple, straightforward solution to our, our most profound problem. And so and, and those are just ways to maybe unpack that most meaningful message. Um, I, I said, this is one way that I have approached this sermon. It, it's not a polished theme here in parts, maybe. But part one could be something like, his blood purifies our hearts from darkness. And part two might be his light pierces through a world of darkness. So kind of using both of those, the blood purifying, the light penetrating or piercing, and trying to apply it subjectively, but then also that objective, uh, what he's done for the world and my call to share that. So just one way of going about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that suggestion. Uh, ben, any um, strategies or possibilities you could share with preachers for just how to where to start with this text and and how to proceed through it well if you go with the legal one that john was talking about you get a chance to bring in the three stooges and the marx brothers you could mention the great legal firm of dewey cheatham and how <laughs> yeah, or, uh, or groucho's famous lawyer jay cheever loophole legal legal um so <laughs> make sure to take advantage of those if and if you don't know them watch at the circus and any number of stewed shorts, and it'll come up, and you'll be the better for it. Um, one of the, like we said before, there's so many different uh, angles of approach here. So you could have, you know, go to court with Jesus if you, if you like the idea of, you know, the. I, I was thinking of those legal posters, trying to think. Of, we have the same thing in Sioux Falls. Um, that word claim, you know, there's name it and claim it theology, um, and usually that's about getting these huge, incredible blessings. But in John, he reverses, and what is it he wants you to claim? Your sins claim the reality of who you are it's kind of like a little bit of sound of music what do we do with a problem like my sins we claim them and then we confess them in in despair fear and yet faith and then we entrust them to christ and then you can use all those images christ who is the light the cleanser the advocate the sacrifice um if you want a little uh, maybe you can't use this picture in a sermon but if you think of the cleanser i think of harvey Keitel's character from pulp fiction you know the guy who comes and fixes all the the problems when you've got a crime you got to clean up um, also, there's the use of the word all three, three times in verses seven and nine. Um, uh, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin in verse nine. Um, he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. And then two verse two, it's not all, but it's 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 the same idea when he says the sins of the whole world. So there's got to be something you could do with that, with the all, the every, the entire. Um, you could frame a sermon around that or, or the idea of lying. Um one of the theme ideas I wrote down is you're only lying to yourself. And, and the idea of an addict, you know, oh, I, I could quit any time. It's not that big a deal. He did it first. God wouldn't really mind. God's just too demanding. You know, that idea of we're just deceiving ourselves about who we are. And and, and maybe, you know, it's as simple by the parts I had for that. You have sin and you need Christ. And, and God's got him. And then to discover, I, I just was floored. I'll, I'll, I'll say amen after this. In, in verse 9 also. When it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
And then there's a little hina, you know, so that this is God's nature, his purpose, so that he'll forgive and purify us. It, it It's just so stunning. Um, St. Augustine said something like, but perchance sin would overtake us from our mortal life. Well, just, just, just consider the possibility that you might sin. And then what do we discover out when you've condemned yourself and been condemned? You get to go to the judge and you've got an advocate and you commit yourself to that word. And you're going to be lost. No, he says, cry out. We have an advocate with the father. Um, so you can point to that purpose of God. You've been lying to yourself, but God's got all the truth. He wants to tell you about himself. Yeah, thank you. So many, yeah, so many powerful images here. Uh, anything further uh, that, that comes to mind um, that might be helpful to preachers? Um, uh, final suggestions or other illustrations we haven't touched on yet? Um, I, I think we've probably given our listeners a lot to, to work through, but another way to approach this would be two truths to unite the world. Because the, uh, there's a lot of idea of how do we unite each other? And you can see in the front lawns of many people, this is a house that believes this, or this is a house that believes that. And there's all kinds of mottos and messages that mm -hmm. people try to cling to, to bring people together in a world that's so divided. But these are uh, two truths to unite the world, something to the point of one, we're all sinful, and two, we are all saved by a sacrifice, you know, something like that. I mean, because this is the one meaningful message that unites us all. We are all just as guilty, every nation, tribe, language, and people, and we are all just as saved by the blood of Jesus. So one more angle to go about it. Yeah, thank you. Right, so the, the meaningful message uh, is kind of highlighted today, um, a meaningful message that is something real for each of us to grab onto and, and hang on to in faith, and then a real message that we can share that, right, really makes a difference in the world that is uh, corrupted with darkness, that is so disunified. Um, this meaningful message, uh, and the way John pictures it in so many vivid ways here, uh, this is something uh, more than just wishful thinking. It, it, it's something real that we can hang on to and proclaim. So thank you, John. Thank you, Ben, for uh, sharing thoughts with preachers. And God bless you, preachers, as you proclaim this meaningful message to your people in the coming week.